Hello and welcome to the latest Guernsey Green Finance podcast, rated one of the top 10 most useful sustainable finance podcasts by the Green Finance Guide. Guernsey is one of the jurisdictions leading the way in green and sustainable finance. And as part of this podcast series, we'll be speaking to and learning from some of the leading global figures in the field. My name is Rosie Alsop. I'm Communications Director at We Are Guernsey. That's the promotional agency for Guernsey's finance industry. Today, I'm delighted to be speaking to Matthew Bell, Board Director and Joint Head of Public Policy at Frontier Economics. Today, among other topics in the climate finance space, we'll be discussing carbon offsets and the role they can play in tackling climate change. Welcome, Matthew. Thank you very much, Rosie. Pleasure to be here. That's great. So let's kick off by introducing you to our listeners. Can you tell me a bit about how you came to be a board director and joint head of public policy at Frontier and maybe a little bit about your career to date? Well, it certainly follows a long 20 plus uh, year career at, uh, at Frontier Economics. The company was actually set up in, in 1999 and uh, I was there at the beginning and uh, slowly, I guess, made my way up through uh, a whole range of work spanning uh, competition issues, international issues, regulatory issues and policy issues to uh, to arrive where I am today. But uh, during the during the course of that uh, that 20 plus years, I also took a few uh, a few breaks, shall we say, a few times out from uh, from Frontier and uh, and went and worked in the public sector in the UK uh, in various roles. But my most recent one was as chief executive of the UK Committee on Climate Change, um, which where I was until the summer of 2017, and uh, and that's the independent public body that's responsible for all the advice that goes to Parliament on uh, on climate change issues. Okay, so you've previously worked with Guernsey and our government here. Can you discuss some of that work as it relates to sustainability? Yes, I've uh, been fortunate enough to, to work with, uh, with the government in Guernsey over many, many years now across actually a very wide range of issues. And one of the, one of the nice things, I guess, one of the interesting things about, uh, about sustainability is that it touches on so many different issues. And so we've, we've done work on skills with the government and some of that forward looking and what will be the, the skills needed in the future. Clearly, some of that being driven by, uh, by sustainable, low, low carbon and other and other issues. We've done work on the airport and some of the environmental issues around the airport and indeed transport more generally in and around in and around Guernsey. Um, and we're doing work on trade issues um, following Brexit and the, and the trade negotiations that are taking place and, and increasingly, as, as your listeners may know, um, some trade agreements thinking about how to incorporate issues around climate, climate change and sustainability into, into the trade issues. Um, a, a really broad uh, spectrum of work that you've done with Guernsey. Yes, we've uh, yeah probably over over 12, 13 years or so now working with uh, with a range of different people across uh, across the island and uh, and and really being able to spend time there. Unfortunately, interrupted by COVID, but being able to spend time uh, working on lots of those issues. And perhaps the most exciting area, obviously, is uh, is the developing discussions and discussions that are ongoing to, to help Guernsey formulate its own climate and environmental objectives. 
Absolutely. So in terms of your role as chief executive um, of the Committee on Climate Change, how has the uh, sustainable finance space changed during your time there? Well, sustainable finance was a was a huge issue uh, when I was there and has been growing, grew throughout the time and obviously and obviously since then as well. And it encompasses such a wide range of topics um, from some more traditional issues. Uh, I remember having lots of discussions about how to finance new nuclear power um, to very new issues like green bonds and more generally how to provide suitable certainty in a suitable policy environment to allow the financing of often new and innovative technologies. Okay, so uh, what were some of your key responsibilities and achievements when you were working with uh, the Committee on Climate Change? Well, the Committee on Climate Change is, has mainly a domestic role. And so while I was there, we passed through Parliament, for example, the fifth carbon budget, which covers the particularly iconic year of, of 2030. At the time, that was also linked to uh, the Paris Agreement and, uh, and the opportunity to participate in the in the Paris conference was certainly a highlight of the, of the time I was there. And generally increasing the international reach of the Committee on Climate Change to provide support to other jurisdictions, other countries, um, to develop similar bodies and similar ways of approaching a sort of slow and steady in, a, a way to, uh, to develop measures to tackle, to tackle climate change. But we also did lots of other work on competitiveness, the impact on industry, on finance, as you said, and also on affordability, um, as well as topics that, uh, that might sometimes be uh, put on the sidelines, like adaptation and what we need to do, which was perhaps more central uh, in Glasgow more recently. Okay, so leading on from the Paris Agreement, um, here on this podcast, we've been discussing the outcomes of, of COP26. In your view, what's the most important commitment or theme that's coming out of COP that you would like to see followed through? There's, there's clearly been a whole a whole range of things came out of the uh, out of the latest COP26, as you say, in uh, in Glasgow, and and obviously since then, um, huge political difficulties and uh, and invasion of Ukraine and various things that uh, that make international consensus very difficult. And so we'll have to work through a combination of climate issues and, and other issues. But to my mind, one of the most important aspects of Glasgow, um, aside from the commitments to net zero and, uh, and related uh, 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 commitments that were made by countries around the world, um, was moving forward with this idea that we could develop a credible international carbon market. Um, and, and Paris laid the very, very foundation stones for that, and Glasgow moved it on a significant step forward in terms of developing some of the rules that could help to govern a carbon market. Now, you've been an advocate for the proper use of carbon offsets in tackling the climate crisis. Can you talk to me a little bit about why you think the carbon market is so important from an economics perspective um, and maybe talk about the economic theory behind the carbon market and how it works in practice? Certainly. Going, going back to uh, not, not even economics 101, but maybe one of the first things lots of us will have touched on in school at various times, uh, one of the first things you learn about is this idea of externalities, this idea that 
the price that you pay for a good might not encompass all the costs of producing it. And, uh, and often the examples that are given are around you know, pollution of rivers as a consequence of manufacturing or other practices, um, which doesn't get priced in, or even the fact that we generate lots of waste and often don't pay for, uh, for that waste as examples of externalities. And carbon, the greenhouse gas and the greenhouse gas emissions more generally that come from manufacturing is maybe the, the quintessential example of an externality in the, in the process of living our lives, of producing goods that we need to consume. Uh, we also often produce greenhouse gases and the price of that, the cost of that to society and the world is not included in the cost of those, of those products. And all of our theories and all of our knowledge of how capitalism works is that prices reflect the cost of production. And where prices don't reflect the full cost of production, then resources don't get allocated efficiently. And, uh, and that's where carbon markets can play, a, can play a big role, is they are a way of trying to correct for that market failure, to bring that cost properly where it belongs into the, into the cost of production, which would allow us then to make decisions that reflect, that reflect those costs. And for a whole range of reasons, only doing that by itself would not be enough, but it would be a significant step forward. Yeah, absolutely. Now, you've been careful to point out caveat to the use of carbon offsets, and you've previously stressed that the use of carbon offset hinges on them being properly regulated. Can you talk to me a little bit, Matthew, about how you envisage them being regulated in practice? Yes, well, one of the uh, one of the difficulties with the uh, with carbon markets in general has been the, the the reputation, shall we say, of the of the carbon credits that are purchased. And when you, as with any other good or service, when you purchase it, you want to know that it's of the quality that is advertised, that it does what it says on the tin. Um, and that's very difficult when it comes to to carbon because you need to assure that uh, a, a, uh, an invisible odorless um, gas um, that uh, has been uh, not taken into account for, for a very long time, all of a sudden is properly taken into account and properly incorporated. And that's, and that's very difficult. Um, we've seen, and we are seeing clearly, uh, carbon markets and pricing of carbon um, improving and perhaps the, the one of the leading examples being the EU emissions trading scheme that uh, that has developed quite a quite a good reputation um, for uh, for how it tracks carbon in particular sectors and uh, and and requires companies to buy offsets and to uh, and to buy them through that market. Um, but that works in a relatively restricted range of sectors and obviously um, across a, a relatively restricted number of, of countries. Um, the UK, since Brexit, now setting up its own UK emissions trading scheme, and that similarly has a similar job. But the broader carbon markets um, that are discussed under the Paris and the Glasgow agreements, which require broader international participation, will require similar measures that, uh, that clarify and give confidence that when you buy uh, then you purchase carbon or you purchase one tonne of offsetting, reducing carbon emissions, that that is properly documented somewhere and properly traceable and is a genuine additional reduction to the emissions compared to what otherwise would have occurred. Mm. 
No easy task. Now, you've also led projects with the Environment Agency and with DEFRA, um, and biodiversity looks to be a growing theme globally and something that Guernsey is very much focusing on this year. Um, now, it, obviously, time is a factor. So would you be able to give a brief explanation of the uh, economics behind biodiversity? Yes, uh, brief is uh, is the difficult part, I suppose. But uh, um, <laughs> as we know, um, diverse ecosystems produce a whole range of benefits. And often, similar to the carbon example, we don't properly take into account those benefits and how the economy functions. And those benefits can range from you know the enjoyment people get from uh, diverse landscapes and diverse ecosystems to the stability that they provide for the broader environment to things like drugs and other. Uh, services that uh, pharmaceutical products and other services that diverse ecosystems can provide. Um, but again, we're in the early stages of properly being able to measure and understand what those values are, what those benefits are, and incorporate them into decision making. Thanks for that overview um, of biodiversity and why we should be uh, investing in it. Can you talk about some of the leading investable projects within biodiversity that you've seen that are exciting or interesting to you? Mm, they, it, is at a, it is at a very early stage and lots of the projects currently are being uh, supported, shall we say, sponsored by uh, global development banks um, through their financing and indeed directly from, from some governments. There are, uh, there are increasing attempts to feed um, projects through regulatory systems. So you have water companies, for example, investing in, uh, um, in maintaining biodiversity or in enhancing biodiversity through their regulatory frameworks, other companies and other regulated sectors. And, and where we really need to move towards is allowing a broader set of financial uh, instruments to invest off the back of projects that will generate clearly a return. And the key is how do we, in some cases, monetize that return, in other cases, ensure that investors can get a, uh, can get a return from, from improving the biodiversity of an area. Mm -hmm. So let's talk about uh, the work that you do with Frontier. Are there any climate-led projects that you're working on that um, you, you're able to share with us that you're particularly excited about? Oh, there are lots. Um, the <laughs> most, most recently, in fact, in the last uh, couple of days, we just completed some work for the Department for Transport looking at the links between the competitiveness of aviation and the use of and its requirement to participate in carbon uh, carbon trading schemes uh, as part of a, a big UK consultation on uh, on how it's going to approve uh, how it's going to approach aviation uh, going forwards and uh, and that involved lots of careful thinking about the impacts of a, a fundamentally international industry um, when it is required to uh, comply with different domestic approaches to, in this case, carbon um, in different circumstances. Uh, but we're also, we've also been working on, uh, on issues to do with intergenerational um, equity and the, the impacts of decisions we make today on future generations, both in space of, of things like biodiversity and adaptation, as well as uh, climate change and emissions reduction. 
That sounds like a hugely exciting um, project. I'd be uh, really interested to, to see how that develops over time. Um, now, what particular issues with respect to the environment and climate do you think uh, you'll be focusing on in 2022? Well, I certainly hope to be uh, doing some work in Guernsey on uh, on climate and, as you say, broader biodiversity and uh, and international work. And we're in some discussions around around that. But uh, but more generally, um, I think that one of the trends we've been seeing for a number of years, which will become more and more apparent in in 2022, are is the behavioural side of uh, of tackling climate change. And so, to date, a lot of the measures and successful measures have been based on what we might call the supply side. Can we change technologies? Can we um, bring forward new technologies, particularly clearly in electricity generation around offshore wind and solar, but also increasingly on transport and electric vehicles. Vehicles. And as those technologies are coming through, the questions are now increasingly changing to how will people change their behaviors, either to purchase some of those technologies like electric vehicles, or indeed in other, in other areas of decisions that they have to make about, about transport, about eating, about uh, about heating their homes and clearly uh, a lot of shifting the focus to the demand side and currently obviously a lot of focus with the uh, with the cost of energy skyrocketing and uh, and the impact on people's people's bills and financing which I'm sure will be prominent in 2022 as well oh absolutely and um, yeah I, I couldn't agree more now you've spoken a bit about adaption to climate change in terms of biodiversity how do you balance climate mitigation and adaption? And what's the role of financial services, particularly the insurance sector in climate adaption? Yeah, so the insurance sector plays a, plays a huge role and has been for many years, particularly on, as you say, that adapt, adaption side or adaptation side of the uh, um, of the equation because they have seen it first. They they see the the increase in storm activity or the floods that require payout from uh, from insurance contracts and have been documenting it and modeling it for for a long time. And so the insurance sector has a big role to play, but also working with the public sector and governments often um, because some of these risks are difficult even for the largest insurers to, uh, to monitor. And in the UK, we've seen the development of new government-backed insurance schemes for uh, homes in some floodplains, for example, where even the insurance sector struggles to, uh, to, struggles to offer products. And so there's a combination of public and private um, finance and backing that uh, that is going to be required both on the adaptation side as well as uh, as well as mitigation and uh, and the challenges are slightly different in in each of those areas. Mm, yeah, that's for sure. And it's good to hear about initiatives like that. Now, as you may know, Guernsey Green Finance, which is Guernsey's initiative for greening the financial system, has been an integral member of the United Nations Financial Centres for Sustainability. And um, here in Guernsey, we consider the island to be a leading centre of green and sustainable finance. But within that, you know, we know there's always more that can be done. Um, I'd be really interested to have your thoughts on the role that you think Guernsey and other uh, global finance centres can play in transitioning the global economy into a sustainable force. Yes, and I guess I guess you could divide that role into two into two parts. So one is um, 
developing financial products uh, that can help finance some of these more innovative technologies and, and new emerging areas, you know, as we were talking about on the adaptation side as well around and biodiversity side around how thinking through, given all the knowledge and expertise that exists in, in Guernsey, how can we generate financeable projects um, in, in areas like biodiversity and as well as in low carbon technologies. And I think there's a, the expertise that exists in, uh, in financial centers like Guernsey and indeed in related products, whether it's across pensions as well as insurance, as well as more, uh, uh, as well as bonds and elsewhere and other financial products. How can we use a combination of different financial instruments to finance some of these, uh, some of these projects? And then the other area um, that we touched on earlier is using the expertise to develop carbon markets and to be a role in the development of new instruments and new ways of, of trading carbon, of trading gains and improvements in biodiversity and the environment. Okay, thank you, Matthew. That's all we've got time for today. Um, it's been fascinating to hear you talk about the role of carbon offsets, possible development of a carbon offset market, and the regulation that ought to surround such a development. Um, we're very grateful to you for sharing your thoughts and your understanding with us uh, on the podcast today. I'd also like to thank you for tuning in and listening to this podcast. We have quite a back catalogue of interviews and panel discussions on the Guernsey Green Finance podcast channel, and you can check those out by searching for Guernsey Green Finance wherever you get your podcasts. And if you enjoyed today's episode, please leave us a review or a comment. We always love to get your feedback. You can also find us at guernseygreenfinance.org and we are guernsey.com. You can interact with us on Twitter at gsygreenfinance and at weareguernsey. And to hear more relating to news and developments coming out of Guernsey's finance industry, check out the We Are Guernsey podcast on your preferred platform. We'll also have links to Matthew and Frontier Economics social media in our show notes. So check those out to hear more from them. And we'll be back soon with another edition of the Guernsey Green Finance podcast. <laughs>